0: I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I have Jeremy Erbis joining me. Jeremy is responsible for the overall health communication solution strategy for Broadridge, supporting the product roadmap, and serves as the account executive for the majority of our healthcare accounts. Jeremy, thank you for joining me today. Great to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. So you don't have to spend a lot of time around Jeremy to recognize how passionate he is about the health insurance communication space. Jeremy, where does that passion come from? I was
1: working for a Blue Cross and Blue Shield plan. My background is primarily in project management and solution delivery. And I had a project in my portfolio where we were replacing the enterprise communication system. And as projects do, this project went long and over budget and I had to get involved and so digging into that, I learned a ton around the absolute complexity around health insurer communications and also saw the opportunity that existed to, to really elevate them. And the COO asked me to take over a, a centralized team and, and help elevate that, and, and that's what I did. I spent a lot of my time there working on elevating those communications, centralizing the ownership, and looking at the overall member experience and after you know 10 years i decided this is an opportunity now that i can go out and i can help other health insurers reach their goals and help learn the lessons that i had to learn the hard way through those years of hard work
0: yeah and i think the interesting thing is you've been in the trenches right I have. As, as you said i am war weary exactly you're war weary <laughs> you recognize what other people are facing you recognize the organizational challenges behind the scenes on, on how to actually make those changes. And I think that's really unique coming from the position that you hold now, having said, I feel your pain. I've been there. I think you have to have credibility. You
1: know, it's it's one thing to have these type of conversations, to write thought leadership pieces and be out there in the market talking about it. But you'll walk away thinking, yeah, but you don't really know what I go through. You don't really know what it takes. And and I can tell them, you know, I've been where you are. I know what it means when you've got different owners from membership to claims to appeals to health and wellness and how difficult it is to wrangle in all those different stakeholders and actually create a centralized view. And this survey that we just did really showed how how this view within the health insurers is wrong is is that communications don't matter. They're regulatory. Just get them out the door. Make sure they're out on time. No one reads them. Everyone's throwing away. And we're communicating with those members and they're saying that's absolutely wrong.
0: I come from a background of research as well and have done some some health insurer surveys in the mm-hmm. past, but I'd, I'd be really curious to hear what this survey was about. What was the reason for embarking on, on this dedicated research? Sure. We partnered with the Center for
1: Generational Kinetics. Mm-hmm.
0: And so we wanted to understand how
1: things broke down across generations. But more importantly, it was to really either prove out those perspectives that said, hey, when we send things to our members, they're throwing them away, they're not looking at them, the boomers want print, the millennials all want digital, we, we wanted to really talk to the members and say, is this true? We wanted to understand what their perspective was about their overall experience with their health insurer, how important communications are. So we surveyed 1,000 members It broke down almost evenly across the um, millennials, Gen Xers, and boomers and included employer-provided, privately purchased, and government-subsidized insurance, even split across male and female, and got some really, really interesting results. So
0: – if we look at a high level, can you tease on some of those results? What are some of the things that really resonated with you? I can. I won't give it all away, but I'll, I'll give you three. Perfect. So
1: number one thing is that we asked how important the quality and the convenience of communications was to a member when they were making their renewal or initial purchase decision with the health insurer. Ninety-four percent of the respondents – said that they consider convenience and quality of communications to be an important factor. And a third say that they're critical. So this idea that no one's looking at them, no one cares about them, completely wrong. The second thing that I'll tell you is that print is not dead and it's not going anywhere. This survey, we got down into the weeds and we talked about the different types of communications. So we were specific around whether it be benefit booklets, EOBs, premium invoices, various letters, Etc. And and asked them to really align those communications to their preferred channel. And when we did that, 42% said that print was their preferred channel for explanation of benefits, EOBs. 39% said that it was their preferred channel for premium bills. And that crosses all the generations. So it is true that we saw a higher likelihood that a boomer would want print for these different documents than a millennial. But when you look at the data, there are plenty of millennials that are preferring that print channel.
0: I think that's always a really interesting one. When we talk about those stats and you said print is not dead, often the expectation is, yeah, but look at this millennial generation coming up. None of them want print in any shape or form. And what you're saying is, yeah, there was a skew that, Millennials were less likely to want the printed EOB or Premier Bill, but ultimately, there was still a desire for that communication as well within that generation. Absolutely. You know, while it's
1: true that millennials may be the, the most to leverage mobile, to, to leverage digital, to want digital, and and they've grown up having access to all of that, it's also true that they're not a very trusting generation. So when you think about the relationship that a millennial might have with their health insurer, do they trust that that health insurer is going to produce the information, store it for them, and then when they need it, they can always go back and see it, and it's always going to be accurate? More of a question around, as you think about boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials, there's an element that says, okay, how prone are they to leveraging their mobile devices or their PCs, but at the same time? What is their experience and, and how long have they been working with their, their health insurer to be able to build that trust? Right. So a boomer is obviously also going to have been with their health insurer longer, typically. Mm-hmm. Millennials now, this is the generation where year over year, you're starting to see them reach that threshold of 26 and getting off of their parents' policy, either moving to their employer-sponsored policy or going to their individual policy. And they're just now starting to have that relationship with their health insurer for the first time. So there's a lot of dynamics that go into whether someone wants to go with a digital channel or print, and it doesn't always just have to do with convenience or the, or the medium itself. Excellent.
0: So you gave me two. Yes. And I cut you off. I owe you one. What is this third uh, key highlight that resonates with you? Well,
1: interestingly enough, as we did, were just talking about digital and millennials, and this one, I'm sure that those listening who are who are working for Health insurer Now will, will like this. of millennials would convert more to digital or paperless delivery if the digital experience was better. So what, what does that mean? What it means is it's just that, is there's a lot of investment from the health insurers on their mobile app or on their website, but it's not always aligned to the enhancement of how convenient it is. Or really the quality of the actual communications that are there. Mm. So when you think about all the services and all of the reasons that someone might engage with their health insurer, it's not always, hey, I want to go on and see my EOB or, hey, I want to go and see my ID card. And so it's very difficult sometimes. Lately, we've seen a lot better around ID cards. But if you're trying to actually go in and find this letter that your health insurer sent you or you're trying to find information, There's a a really difficult experience sometimes because you're having to go through multiple layers to actually get to it. That's not an experience that's going to drive people to want to go paperless because how convenient is it to just go out in your mailbox and you get it right there, open the envelope, and and you have it, right? So what this says is that there's an incredible opportunity to actually convert folks, especially millennials, from paper to digital. But you've got to make that investment in your mobile apps, on your website, and you've got to do it with a purposeful view into enhancing the efficiency at how they can get to their communications.
0: If you look across verticals and types of billers or providers, I think that's a common response is, if you give me a better digital experience, then I'm more likely to get rid of the paper because frankly, the digital experience that you have forced me into years ago was really clunky. When you go to that site and see what you're getting, you, you assume that you're trading the paper for a better experience, and that's not always the case. It's not. In fact, I just had to use
1: my health insurer's app. I had an issue with a benefit and, and went on and realized very quickly that I could not get to what I was trying to do via the mobile app. I had to use a PC to log on to the website, and for some things – it's fine, right? It's a, There's a regulatory responsibility from the health insurer. If the member views it or not, that's completely up to them. But speaking from the health insurer's perspective, there are some communications that are absolutely critical that you need for your members to read. Explanation of benefits, I always had the debate internally around, you know, do they read it? Is it important? Well, that's a big way that health insurers find fraud. Medical billing, there's going to be issues and you find, hey, I didn't have that procedure. I didn't see that doctor. And so if your members are viewing your EOBs, then you're going to be able to find more of those occasions. But in order to really create the relationship that I know that health insurers want, one, they can create that brand loyalty. But two, they really want to get involved and help their members increase their quality of life, improve their health, to help them navigate day-to-day their whether it's what they're eating, their exercise, you know, overall quality of health. And there's more than one reason why an insurer would want that to happen. But in order to get to that level of relationship, you've got to come to where they are. That means that you really have to be invested in emerging digital communications. So you've got to have a strong email program. You've got to be personalized. That's another thing that our that our survey revealed is how how much people want personalized communications. And so when you're making that investment, that's when you can start to have that relationship. That's when they're starting to view what you're producing more regularly. That's when you can start seeing the benefits of starting these health and wellness programs, where you can start to see the benefits of the money that you are spending in having to generate these communications and these booklets and these letters and all the things that you're
0: doing. I think the interesting thing that comes out of that is engaged members can help mitigate risk associated with fraud, but also engaged members are more likely to reduce costs because they've now gotten some of the messages that you've been trying to push across around healthy lifestyles or or other things that, that could keep overall costs of insuring that person down. Absolutely. And I think it's a different way to be thinking about the role of the communication where you said, does it really matter if they read it? Well, in this case- Yes, and in fact, investing in the communication up front could have a trickle-down effect to these other areas that you're trying to address.
1: Absolutely. One of the greater challenges that health insurers face in transforming to get where they want to be the type of communications and ecosystem that that we just talked about is that you don't have centralized ownership or looking at the overall end-to-end member experience when it comes to communications. Most health plans now have folks that are focused on digital and mm-hmm. there are folks that are focused on the member experience, but not often are they looking at the communications experience of the member. And that's one of the things that I, that I really recommend to health insurers that I talk with is to whether you decide that you want to create a communications group that is responsible for all that or you want to build that into your member experience group or, or what have you, it's really important. When I took over that role at the Blue, one of the things I looked at was how many disparate systems were producing letters. And at the time there were four. And so I started this project where we started grabbing all the letters that possibly could go out to a member. And we were in the 200s, different, unique letters that that were going out the door. And I started to look at it. The difference in branding was remarkable. So you had some that looked like they hadn't been redone since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. They were just different logos, different designs. So it, just that experience, if you're getting these letters, that you're not making that connection quickly that goes, oh, this is from Insure. But we also found that there was such overlap. Sometimes there were letters that included the necessary information, making another letter completely unnecessary. So we ended up getting down to under 100 letters. And the cost savings were astronomical. Not to mention that you're able to retire some of these systems and some of these solutions that are... You know costing money to to you know to keep standing up to you know keep producing this that wasn't possible unless there was someone who was looking at that holistically and that's just the tip of the iceberg when it's time for renewal you know what kind of communications are they getting how are you supporting the case that says, hey, we want you to renew with us here's the value and looking at it holistically and just saying what's the experience and it's funny because I was talking to someone just last week who said that they found that their members were getting up to four birthday cards. Wow. In the mail because there were different areas within the company that were all generating, you know, birthday. It's common; it happens all the time. And that's because they're they're not making communications a centralized focus, and they, they're not doing the the mapping and and
0: really doing the work to understand all those touch points. This is a common theme in in a lot of the discussions we have is around that that siloed nature, where each division is saying, "Well, we want to send that birthday card," but how does the member on the back end feel when they receive four birthday cards from the same organization that maybe took a slightly different approach or everything looks identical? It has a negative impact or on on that member's view of the organization unless somebody just really likes receiving a lot of birthday cards. <laughs> so when you start getting
1: things in abundance, in duplicate, the first place your mind goes is, yeah, they're really taking care of my premium dollar, aren't they? And that's the kind of thing that you can avoid by getting a better handle on who's sending what out and, and really creating that centralized structure of ownership and governance to say, hey, that's great that you want to send a birthday card. Let's all use the same data and let's send one.
0: Where would you go from a baby steps perspective in terms of how they can make incremental improvements to those health insurer communications? Well, as I mentioned, the and there's been a common theme in our discussion
1: today, is centralized Ownership. So create oversight for the collective member communication experience and design. Recognize that there are stakeholders in the organization that want feed that want to have feedback, that want to have input. But generally create a governance structure, create a model where you're not only keenly aware of all the different member touch points you have within your communication lifecycle, but that you have a path where you can continue to evolve not only your channels that you're delivering in. But within your design, I'd say number two is, and our survey really supported this, is don't separate your digital and your print communication strategy. Recognize how important digital is both to the bottom line. And and there are benefits for sure to being able to be able to consume information digitally than just on static print. But there are communications that your members feel much more comfortable that they can receive via print and they want it that way. And the last thing I would say is interact with your members regularly and integrate their feedback into your strategy and into your projects. You know, you have to switch to be consumer driven. And that's why we see other markets are so far ahead of healthcare and especially health insurers is because they've had to switch to a consumer
0: centric model long ago. If we look at health insurer communications over the next 5 years, is it going to be more the same? Do you feel like we're at this inflection point where you're going to really see a transformation in those communications because there's now an appetite, or members are going to start fleeing and they're going to there's going to be a, a driver behind improvement in those communications?
1: Well, if our survey results tell us anything, it's that yeah, that you know, if you don't deliver to me the communications experience I'm looking for, then and there is a competitor that does it better and is reasonably priced, I'm going to go with that competitor. In terms of change, I can't imagine there not being five years from now that you have a mobile experience that is similar to what you could get today via the website and leveraging your PC. We're seeing trends, and it's a good thing, is that providers and insurers are beginning to partner and work together. Not necessarily in communications yet, but you're starting to see it in other aspects. I think that's going to roll down into communications as well. So as an example today, could that provider statement be integrated somehow with the explanation of benefits? The answer is yes. And there are some plans who are who are experimenting with the idea of giving payment options along with that delivery of that EOB, that payments can then be made directly to the provider as a result. Providers certainly like that. Health insurers like that because they have a new revenue stream. And the consumer wins because it's it's a lot easier and more convenient to do it. So those are the kind of examples that I see that are happening that I think we will continue to build on, but it is a slow process.
0: Yeah, and I really appreciate all the, the insights you gave here. Obviously, like like I said at the beginning, it's clear to see the, the passion that you have around this space, and I thank you for sharing those insights today on the podcast. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I'm Matt Swain, and you've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn.